You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Uh, live in Sioux City, so I had a jolt here as fast as I could. Uh, speed limit, of course. <laughs> you know, hey, but my, my truck can't do much past 80, though. <laughs> All five cylinders get a roaring, get going. So uh, if I could give, I, I, I was thinking like, all right, if I'm going to wear my Menard shirt uh, to church, I need to speak about something about wood, lumber, something. So if for a one-minute message, because I don't, my message is not on wood or lumber, but for one minute, I could say about the perfect tree was not built from pine or, or cedar wood or any of the lumber that we sell, and on it was a gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. That's my one-minute Menards preaching there. <laughs> that was it. Uh, the title tonight, I, I do have a, a title, uh, Expectation Versus Reality. Expectation Versus Reality. I was looking at um, the Christmas story as a whole. I want you to think of the birth of Jesus Christ as a whole. And there was an expectation, and there was certainly a reality. <laughs> and uh, every year at Christmas, I, I look at the Christmas story, and, you know, God teach me something new. This is a story I've looked at for 28 years, being my whole life. Teach me something new. I want to see it from a new angle, a different point of view. And what I, you know, the point of view that I'm looking at from tonight is this point of view of expectation versus reality. Uh, so uh, there are some funny stories that can be said about this because we certainly, for Christmas presents and gift giving and gift receiving, people have expectations and then reality hits them pretty hard. Uh, you know, mom and dad asked for a PlayStation 5 and I got <sighs> new tennis shoes, you know, and they'll just be thankful for your tennis shoes. Anyway, and uh, I remember there's, there's an Austin family uh, joke or gag that you are allowed to, to take and do. Um, have a box where the box is something, and then the inside is something else. Uh, and there's a video of me as, uh, let's just say I was eight years old, not sure exactly. Uh, I received a, a box, and, and I'm like, yes. You know, I've gotten rollerblades, I've gotten matchbox cars, and what is in here? I open up the, tear off the wrapping paper, and it was an iron, a clothes iron. And I'm like, thanks, <laughs> thank you, oh man. And then my parents are just hyping it up. <gasps> you, an iron, you could iron your sister's clothes. And I'm like, No. Big no, no. Oh, an iron, this is the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, stop, please stop. Can we move on? Can we pr open something else? Oh, I'm so embarrassed. And someone, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles are like, yeah, an iron. And someone was finally said, well, Ryan, let's open it and see what's inside. And inside was not an iron. It was something that I certainly did want uh, uh, let's just say a car, a, a something, an RC car, or a remote control car, something, something, whatever you'd like. 
uh, expectation and reality. And, and expectation, there's an iron in there. I certainly don't want it. Reality, uh, no iron. It was something else. And uh, most of the time, it's the vice versa, though, of uh, expectation of something huge and great and very expensive and reality of maybe not or um, just maybe some cash. I remember one time I ripped open a package. I was so excited, and I ripped a check that was inside. And I was a young kid, uh, so I thought I just ripped $100 because that was the check, not knowing that you could simply write out another check. I didn't know that. So I'm like, I just ripped $100. I'm dead meat. You know, I'm, I'm done. You know, just, just crucify me now. Anyway, expectation versus reality. Israel had expected their Messiah. It was expected. And they had an expectation of a, a few things. And I, and I looked up some Jewish history and, and tried to uh, do my best and uh, first, they knew that, that the Messiah would be in the Davidic line, or the line of David, the generation of David. Uh, they knew that, and uh, so that's true. That's true of Jesus, so that's one that they checkmarked. They got that right. Oh, I didn't set my timer. Sorry. Uh, just a second. <laughs> it's been that long. <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> then uh, there was an expectation, and they got that expectation right. Uh, They also expected, though, uh, their Messiah, we're going to overthrow the government. We're going to push the Romans out of here, and we're going to take over. And I thought to myself, I had time to think, and I have time to think when I'm at work. I thought to myself the, the dreams and fantasies that was going on in the Jewish mind of, oh, when our Messiah comes, these people aren't going to tell us what to do. And we're going to tell them what to do. And, and Caesar, you know, the great uh, King Caesar, the, the people of, who uh, they look up to, you know, he's going to be below us. You know, <laughs> when our Messiah comes, I tell you something, it's going to be great. Expectation. Expectation. Then uh, they're going to put themselves in charge. They were ex- expected to usher in a new era of wealth, a new era of rule, and a new era of peace. And they expected to show the world that they were in charge under new management and their Messiah has come. And today, Israel does not view Jesus as their Messiah, but they view him as another great teacher or another great prophet. Uh, Today, they still are looking for their Messiah to gather the Jews back together in a united Israel and to usher in an era of peace similar to what was said before, to build the third temple, reinstate the Sanhedrin, among other things. They're looking for other things. They still have the same expectation that they had 2,000 years ago. Um, But their expectation was never met with Jesus. Because as we know, he did not come in the way that was expected. And uh, I have this later on in my notes, but I'll say now... uh, the Bible did say <laughs> what to expect, you know, and, and it is easy for me to say, you know, I don't want to come across rude and say, well, if you would have read your Bible, you would know. It's, it's, it's kind of the truth, though. If you would have read, you would have known. If you would have, if, and, and I'd, I'm not trying to put blame on all of the Israel people, 
I'm just saying if, if you would have known what the Bible already said, Old Testament, about the Messiah and how he would come and where and when, then you would have expected something different. The two expectations would not be so left and right opposite. They would have been a lot closer, is what I'm saying. So I'm, I don't want to push blame onto the Israeli people. I'm just saying it would have been a lot closer of an expectation. Um, so there's the expectation. Uh, and then also, just, just one more thing that I've, uh, I mentioned before, expectation of possibly not coming as a baby, but coming with great fireworks and great uh, staircase from heaven with uh, horses of fire and chariots of fire and a marching band and fireworks. And your Messiah is here, like a sports arena. Ladies and gentlemen, your Messiah. Uh, that expectation. Not met. Not met. So uh, then first part of the message, expectation. Second part of the message, reality. Here we are at reality. And again, I'm looking at the Christmas story as one big whole. One, one whole story. Uh, reality. A baby was born in a normal quiet night in Bethlehem. Not in the Jerusalem. Not amongst wealthy people. I would say Mary and Joseph were very average, standard, normal people. Uh, Not born of um, the religious elite of that time. And there certainly was those people. The the master religious people. Not born of those people. Born of common, average, everyday Mary and Joseph. Uh, Unexpected. Then... um, uh, born in Jerusalem, born uh, from Mary and Joseph, uh, not born under great fireworks and pomp and circumstance and explosions, but born as a humble servant. Unexpected. Didn't, I didn't, you know, didn't that, that didn't cross their mind. And that's why I think that was so missed. They never got it, that they weren't expecting the servant. So, uh, I praise the Lord for, whoa, I praise the Lord for Sunday, the kids' Christmas program, and all that they did. And how should a king come? How should a king come? He should come with, with great land. He should come with, and he's going to uh, have a lot of houses, and he's going to, and, and expectation. And how should he come? Expectation. And the great uh, synopsis or, or, or summary of the kids' Christmas play, <laughs> expectation versus reality. Yeah. And at the end, the last verse of that song, How Should a King Come, uh, came as a baby in Bethlehem and, and as this great servant. That's how he came, and our king was here. Uh, certainly unexpected. So... To add some verses, Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Didn't come to to take over. Didn't come to overthrow the Romans. Didn't come uh, for any other purpose but to seek and to save that which is lost. Uh, John 3.17, For God sent not His Son to the world to condemn the world, uh, but that the world through him might be saved. Uh, he, sent, 
he sent his son to, to save his people. Uh, not to accomplish those things that were expected to accomplish, but to, to save his people. And I just have uh, just uh, very quick, because uh, you know how my brain works sometimes. Why not? Why was he not in great lights and explosions? Because uh, he could have been. Why, why did he not come with the grand staircase from heaven and trumpets and an announcer, your king is here? Uh, why not? Because it, it would have been true. No lie. Because he was giving me an example. And this is where my, my point of view and perception of, Lord, give me, give me something new this Christmas, of another way to look at this great Christmas story. The, the point of view he gave me was he didn't come as this great, uh, great, great uh, king with money and wealth, but he came as a servant. And he came as a servant to give me an example to be a servant too. That's why he came that way. Uh, to serve his people. Uh, that's why Jesus came that way. This expectation versus reality can also be said today, uh, dealing with the end times. Expectation of the end times is, oh, uh, time will just march on. Nothing will really change. Everything will be the same. And then reality is going to hit when a trumpet sounds and all of us will not be here anymore and people will be wondering that where we went. And it's, it's, sometimes it's crazy to listen to uh, Christians who are expecting the coming of Christ and to listen to the opposite, uh, unsaved people who uh, time will just go on as normal and nothing will ever change. And those just two wide opposites. And again, it can be said, you know, not to, uh, not to sound uh, mean, you would know the, that the Lord is coming if, if you would be in your Bible. You would know that. You would know what to expect. You would know the signs. And you would know that this is just to live and to die is not the end of life. You would know a lot more than that. And there is again another gap between expectation and reality. And this gap is, is not between a, a baby and a king, but now it's between uh, I can see another gap between the second coming of Christ and, and nothing's really going to change. Time just marches on and everything will stay the same. Okay? So, uh, and, and finally, uh, this point of view that God gave me, I just want to praise the Lord and say that God didn't come as, and He could have. God didn't come as uh, with riches and and gold and and uh, draped in silver and and collecting lands and houses but he came to save a sinner like me and he came that 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 I would that's the example for me to follow cuz cuz would I follow an example of a king of trying to to go after riches and trying to to get people to notice me and draw a big crowd uh no Jesus didn't come that way but came as a servant and and served his people and I want to do the same with that this uh this year and and I just want to say that's the thank you that's the point of view that God gave me this year it just just very very simply God didn't, Jesus didn't come as a, a, a great king with riches, but he came as a servant to, to save his people and to, to serve and to give me an example of, of who I should be and who I should strive after. All right, that is all I have tonight. Thank you.
evening, everybody. I'll tell you what, I miss preaching here often, um, but I look forward to every moment I get to yeah. talk, preach, thank, praise. Um, so, quick story, similar to his, he worked and then came straight here. <laughs> I was very busy today, and uh, 10 minutes before Aubrey's dance class was over, I finished my message and half of it disappeared when I synced it. So, I had 10 minutes to get it back, and when you were preaching, you reminded me of something that I had put in there, and my missing minute that was there, I was like, okay, it's got to be somewhere. There it was. So, I thank you for that. Um, God works in mysterious ways. Now, uh, primarily tonight, I do want to look at the Christmas story, Jesus' birth. He's good. (laughs) We're going to end with that, but um, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Oh, man. Let me tell you, God's good. The fact that I get to preach, it's it's a blessing. And he, uh, instead of pouring blessings on himself and becoming that rich king, he decided to pour his love and and blessings on us. And I'm thankful for that. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. This is the advent here. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that the world shall be taxed. And this tax was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Now the fact that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem was not a random thing. It was not because they, they were forced that direction because of the taxing or, or anything. No, it was because it was ordained by God long, long before Caesar Augustus made his decree. Now, God is amazing. We know this because in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, it says, For unto us a child (laughs) is born. This is 700 years, okay? I don't know why I'm so emotional about it, but listen, he's good. And this is, the fact that people overlook this, they're not in their Bible, they don't believe this is true, is just mind-blowing. They think time is just going to tick on and on, as, as Ryan was saying. There's no sense of urgency is the problem. But if they see God's hand and his timing and his perfectness, it's amazing. It said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of increase of his government and peace shall be no end. (laughs) That should be praise enough right there. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth, even at forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He's amazing, and he is powerful. He, you know, he came as a baby, but he, he is still God, and he was, he's, he's all these things. Micah 5.2 said, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, thou be little among the thousands of Judah. You are this meek little itty-bitty town that nobody cares about. Maybe a Mondamon or an Elk Point or a Moville or a Kingsley, but... Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. He, yes, he was born, but man, he came way before the earth was created. He created all of it, and he he has been forever. So in the Old Testament, we already knew he was coming. God ordained this to happen exactly where it happened, when it happened. You see, God knew from the very beginning what his plan was going to be. It was not a surprise. He knew before sin entered into this world that he would send his son to reunite us with him. And I'm thankful for that because the second there was any opposition, he had a plan. 
Acts 15, 18, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Nothing surprises God. (laughs) So he sent his son for us. That is the best part of this story. If he didn't send his son, then what was the Bible about? What what hope would we have, man? This right here, the fact that he had a plan from Genesis chapter 3 moving forward is his love to us. He sent us a gift, and it was his son. The difficult three-day journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem may have taken longer because of Mary's condition. Look at verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, he, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she, would, she should be delivered And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now some preachers and some people who present the Christmas story like to condemn the innkeeper because he did not give Mary a decent place to give birth to her baby. But listen, God likes to take the most unlikely situations, the most minimum, the most lowly towns and situations being born where animals live to bring greatness out of them. <laughs> Every single one of us. He took us out of this, the worst of pits and nightmares in our lives. And he wants greatness for us. <laughs> and he sent his son so that could happen. He brought Jesus out of the most unlikely places, and that's how they overlooked it. Now let's look at the announcement part of this. This is where it gets good. (laughs) In that day, shepherds were considered to be the lowest rung of social ladder. And yet, who were announced to the first? It was the shepherds. Their work not only kept them away from the temple and the synagogue, but it made them ceremonially unclean. Yet, in God's grace, he gave the first announcement of the Savior's birth to lowly shepherds. Look at verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I imagine just having that privilege as that angel to be the messenger to tell about the advent of the Messiah. (laughs) But there's more to come. We have the privilege of sharing the good news with the world, and angels, unfortunately, can't do it for us. That's our job. But we get to do it. We get to shout it and praise God for it and, and tell about the amazing things that God is doing in our lives and will do in the future. But what he did, man, this Christmas story, what the world has made it today is sad because it's a good story. It is good tidings of joy that we need to be sharing. But look what's surrounding that angel. The singing army of angels proclaim the glory of the Lord. Verse 12, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, look at verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace Goodwill toward men. (laughs) I wish I was there. I can't wait to be 
in the midst of God being praised 24-7 like that. Verse 15, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. See, they were now excited about this, this story. They just saw heaven open up and praising God about what was happening. They had to see it. Verse 16, And they came with haste. They were excited. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. They told everybody. That's how exciting this was. And they hadn't even seen the miracles yet. They hadn't seen anything that he did. They didn't even know the full plan. They just knew he was here. That was enough to get them excited and go run and tell everybody. The whole, chat, or the whole book of Luke, that gospel, it's filled with praise. Here are a few of them. Luke 1, 64. You don't have to make the slides for these, otherwise you'll be going crazy. <laughs> and his mouth was open immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. 2.13, and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. Verse 28, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. Luke 5.25-26, through 26, and immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. 7.16, and there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen upon, up among us, and that God hath visited his people. 13.13, 13, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. 17.15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice glorifying God. 17.18, and they're not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. 1843, and immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. 1937, and when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. 2347, now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man in 2453, and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Amen. You see, the shepherds, they were the first ambassadors of the gospel. They were but humble shepherds who hastened to see the baby and then told everyone what they had seen and heard. In verse or Acts 40, or sorry, 4, verse 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. All they did was tell what happened. But they were excited about it. Well, you look at all these verses throughout all of the Gospel of Luke, and they were all glorifying God and praising God for the things that were happening. See, when God's in the middle of things and He's working in our lives, or He's working miracles, or He's He's giving us the peace that He's promised us, or and they understand the, the weight of what really happened when they see Him die on the cross, it's just you can't help but praise God. That's what Christmas is about. <laughs> This is the joy of our Savior coming. He humbled himself to be in the midst of us, to die for our past, present, and future sins so that we would once again be in his presence for all eternity. 
From Genesis chapter 3, he had a plan. Philippians 2, 5 through 7, and this is the verse that I was trying to remember. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, listen to this, he was up with God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation instead, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. He came as a great, if, if he came as a great and mighty king from wealth and not a humble servant, listen to this, to die for us, then how could mankind relate to him? How could we have looked to this Savior that had all this luxury and, and wealth and, and lineage that you would look at and be like, well, no wonder he, he was being followed. I mean, everybody liked him and on Pinterest and Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, he's not worth following because he doesn't understand what I'm going through. No, this Jesus humbled himself and brought himself to the most unlikely place to suffer the worst pain and the worst things imaginable to take all the weight of our past, present, and future sins on himself to die for us <laughs> so we could be with him again. Yeah. See, the angels knew and the shepherds knew and we should know the wonderful news of our Savior's birth and what that meant for all mankind. That should bring praise to God. That should be what Christmas is about, praising and thanking God for what his gift was. He's our king. He's our savior. He's our peace, our joy. He is Emmanuel, God with us forever. And that's my message.